Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Hi, St. Mary's. My name is Josh Scott. I'm the lead pastor at Grace Point Church in Nashville, and I'm a friend of your pastor, Sam. Um, I think the world's Sam, and not just because he is a fellow WVU fan, although that bonded us pretty quickly. And so um, hopefully we're celebrating a win over Maryland uh, from yesterday. But, and if some of you are Maryland fans, then I'm, I hope, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, so Sam told me he'd been in a series called Turntable Gospel, and I'm really excited to continue that series today. Uh, I listened to the first three weeks um, of his, and he just did an incredible job at teasing out meaning and uh, really some beautiful, profound stuff from the songs. And so I sent him a text and said, I would really like to continue the series if that's okay. And about the time I sent, I want to do a U2 song. He sent a message back to me that said, okay, as long as it's not a U2 song. Um, So, but here we are. Uh, We're going to talk about a U2 song. They are my favorite band of all time. And I want to talk about a really wonderful song of theirs called Walk On. Uh, before we jump into the song, I want to just give you some, some sort of the facts about the song, where it came from. So the song was originally released March 20, in the U.S., March 26th of 2001, and it was originally part of a record called All That You Can't Leave Behind that came out in October of the year 2000. Now, this particular song, Walk On, was dedicated to a Burmese democracy activist named Aung San Suu Kyi. And she was uh, somebody the band came across in the 80s, and uh, she spent 15 years uh, in house arrest over a 21-year period in Burma for her, um, uh, for her protest and for her advocacy for democracy. Um, I will tell you, if you search her, what you'll find out is that there have been some things that have happened in recent years since she ended up with some political power that she's made some really difficult uh, to, to deal with choices uh, that has even made the band um, sort of talk about how, un- how wrong some of her choices have been. So I will tell you, if you search for um, her specifically, you'll find out that, thing, that the story hasn't ended as well as it seemed to begin. But the song is still a beautiful song. And it's really fitting, I think, that this song came out Uh, or this album came out in the year 2000, because that was such a strange time. Uh, It felt like we were entering uncharted territory, territory that had not been mapped out for us already. There was so much going on. And of course, the main fear, the main thing most people were talking about, uh, late 1999 was Y2K. It loomed large. It was like we were on the precipice of something that could be really, really awful for the world? Would the computer clocks change over? Would they recognize the year 2000? Um, Would everything just crash at midnight on January 1st? It felt a little bit like riding a roller coaster, and I have to just confess, I cannot stand roller coasters. I hate them. I'm 6'8", and I hate heights. I'm terrified of heights. Um, I'm the person, if you're on a roller coaster with, number one, if I'm on a roller coaster, you should call for help. I'm not there willingly. Um, but I, like I'm on this, you know, when the roller coaster starts to go up and you're, you're going up and like your body can tell that you're about to hit the top and then plummet down. Like that feeling of, like that's almost what it felt like looking back on uh, Y2K. Like where are we going to go? What's going to happen? Are we going to go across this and we're going to drop? Is there going to be any track there? Um, are we going to survive this thing? It was a really, really terrifying time. 
And as we sat waiting for the stroke of midnight, as news story after news story vividly painted a terrifying picture of a potential catastrophe that awaited us all, it was sort of like just holding your breath waiting for that drop. It was also a time of change for me personally. Um, I graduated high school in June of 1999, so the year 2000 rolled over in the middle of my first year of college. It was my first time living on my own without a curfew, making my own choices. I could skip class, which I did. I could eat ice cream for dinner, which I did. I could do anything I wanted to do. I was in complete uncharted territory. And it was one of those ready or not moments. I was becoming a grown-up and was slowly accumulating all of the responsibilities that transition to adulthood brought to me. And not only that, but when Walk On released as a single in March of 2001, we were six months away from an event that changed everything, 9-11. It's hard to believe that this coming Saturday is gonna mark the 20th anniversary of those attacks because in an instant, the world felt less safe and less secure. I can remember exactly where I was. I bet many of you watching this can remember exactly where you were when you heard the news um, that planes had hit the World Trade Center. Moments will never ever forget. And all of that was swirling around. All of that context was sort of a perfect storm for a really, really worrisome, difficult period. So all of that was the context uh, that created the matrix through which I first heard and interpreted this song. I love those opening lyrics to the song. And if the darkness is to keep us apart, and if the daylight feels like it's a long way off, and if your glass heart should crack for a second, you turn back, oh no, be strong. I mean, haven't we all been there? The moment that this song so poetically invites us into, the moment where darkness seems to be keeping us at a distance, where any hope of daylight, of sunshine, feels like it's so, so far away. I mean, we've experienced that over the last year and a half, being in this pandemic, it feels like we've been lost in the thick darkness and daylight has felt so, so far away. And there's this impulse in the song, if you should turn back. There's often within us this impulse to go back, to go back to what is familiar, to what is known, even if that's really not the best for us. Reminds me of the ancient Israelites who were in the middle of the wilderness, dreaming and reminiscing about their experience of Egypt, even though the experience of Egypt was miserable and it was suffering and it was oppressive. There's just real tendency in us, I think, sometimes to to desire the familiar, even when the familiar has been the very thing that's been killing us. And then Bono continues in the second verse. You're packing a suitcase for a place none of us has been, a place that has to be believed to be seen. You could have flown away a singing bird in an open cage who will only fly, only fly for freedom. Now I have to admit, when I heard these song, these words for the first time 20 years ago, I thought they were singing about heaven. I thought they were singing about believing and going to heaven when you die. The idea that we're packing up and heading out made to- for heaven made total sense for the lens I was given as a young person. But of course, in context, it's a song about the struggle for freedom. It's a st- song about the struggle for democracy. And in a place, in a context that actively worked against and resisted that struggle. The places that people like Sue Key were dreaming of were not on a map. They were hopes, they were dreams, they were in imagination. It was something that resided in the heart. 
places that Dr. King dreamed of, Jesus' vision for the kingdom of God. They had these ideas and hopes and dreams, but they were no quick or easy path to fruition. This was not gonna be an overnight thing. It was a long, hard journey, a journey that brought with it costs. And that place they were headed, if those dreams were to become a reality, it would require the courage to pack a suitcase for a place no one has been and most people don't believe could even exist. It is a place that has to first be imagined in the heart and in the, the mind before it can ever be seen. You know, something about these lyrics reminds me of a story from the book of Genesis. And it's a story about a man named, who we later came to know as Abraham, but now we know him as, in the beginning we knew him as Abram. And here's the text in Genesis 12, one through four. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you and all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And then notice the, the next line is unbelievable. Abram is just told, by God, I have big plans for you. I'm gonna bless the entire human race through you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up. I want you to pack up a suitcase. I want you to pack it up for a place no one has been and you'll know when you get there. I'll tell you. I'll show you along the way, but I, I'm, I'm not just gonna lay it out for you. And Abram's response is, Abram left just as the Lord told him. You know, I have to confess, I am seriously directionally challenged. And, and that doesn't really matter um, how long I've been in a place, how familiar I am with a place. Um, I, I struggle with directions. Like if somebody asks me, hey, is that in such and such part of town? I'm like, I don't know, show me a, show me a, a map and maybe I can tell you, but I, I just can't, for something, there's something about my ring that doesn't work really well with directions. And so when I first started out preaching, I was in the Appalachian region of Eastern Kentucky and I would go on my computer, my really slow dial-up computer, and I would print off directions from MapQuest that would have point A, where I was, point B, where I wanted to go, and step-by-step -step instructions about how to get there. And before all that, we had atlases, right? And now we have things like Waze that tells us not only which way we should go, but it tells us if traffic's stopping up ahead or if there's you know, a police car that's hidden uh, in, a, in a speed trap. It, it, it's unbelievable. We couldn't have imagined all that we have now. But this, sort of this idea is that maps and directions give us a certain kind of certainty. It tells us if you'd start at point A and you wanna go to point B, here's all you have to do. I think one of our struggles in the modern world is that we expect that experience of being able to map ourselves to where we're going. We expect that to transition to other areas of life, like relationships or like faith and spirituality. We long for a certainty. We long for a step-by-step -step guide, some kind of recipe that guarantees an outcome, that if you just do this, this, and this, and not only am I directionally challenged, but if you give me a recipe, I'm gonna find a way for it not to taste like it's supposed to taste. But for some people, they follow a recipe and it's, it's pretty exact. You, you, you do this and this and this and you get an outcome. The problem is that that's actually just not how life works. Sometimes we put in all the things and the outcome is not what we expected. Sometimes we think we're following the path and we end up over here and we're lost in a dead-end street. There just is no guarantee. And I'm reminded of this command, this invitation that God extends to Abram. If you leave the familiar, this could go somewhere interesting. But you have to leave what is known. Leave what is comfortable. 
and follow into the unknown. I think this story of Abram offers us a truth that this journey we are invited into offers us lots of things. It offers us hope. It offers us possibility. It offers us transformation. But certainty isn't one of those things. It is an invitation to head out without turn-by-turn instructions. It's a call to pack light and to be ready to go at a moment's notice, which is the polar opposite of what I was taught, to be honest. In my religious upbringing, faith was a place to settle. It was a place to put down stakes. It was a place from which we could never move. This is it. We figured it out. We've gotten it. We have answered all the questions. We have all the doctrine correct. We have God in this particular box. And now we just sit here and try not to mess the thing up. Faith was ultimately about staying put. Yet that's not at all what we find in the story of Scripture. We find Abram, who was invited to leave and to move into the unknown. And then we find the Israelites who participate in exodus and then wandering in the wilderness. And then they go through exile and return. We find Jesus who's moving and traveling from place to place and calling disciples to follow him. Then he empowers these disciples to go out themselves and preach the good news of the kingdom. And then we have the first Christians going from place to place, setting up these radically new inclusive communities. If anything, the story of the Christian tradition is one of movement. And they weren't just moving physically. It wasn't just like they were moving from place to place. They were also moving internally. They were moving spiritually. They were experiencing transformation. They were experiencing moments that called them beyond their firm and settled faith into something that is, for them at the time, probably seemed really, really uncertain and really, really uh, unsure. And yet, they bravely, courageously followed. They entered that uncharted territory as they went. And there's a lot of reasons we're afraid to do that. Um, I actually had a friend tell me when I was doing a similar talk to this once that, that when you think about uh, maps, it, way, way, way a long time ago when there was a, they were making a map and they didn't know what was in a certain region, sometimes they would write the phrase, there be dragons on the map. It's sort of a way of saying, we don't know what is, what's out there, but it's got to be bad. We don't know what's across that mountain, but it's got to be dangerous. And that's often how we treat any sort of internal movement in the spiritual life. Well, there's dragons over there, when actually it may be the very thing that we're being invited to explore. Abraham Joshua Heschel put it like this, faith is not the clinging to a shrine, but an endless pilgrimage of the heart. That word endless feels really important. It isn't where we get to a place and now we're firm and settled and we turn off the engine and we're done. We, we put a tarp over the car and we talk about the good old days when we used to be on the road. It's actually this invitation to continually follow the Spirit because faith is nomadic. It's about movement and it's about change. It is dynamic, not static. It is about envisioning what could be and then beginning to seek to bring that what could be about. Faith is about journeying beyond the boundaries of the map, beyond the known and into the mystery and the what could be-ness of everything. Brian McLaren has this book he released, I think in 2015, and the title of the book, I just love it. Uh, it's called We Make the Road by Walking, and I have not found better language for what we do in the spiritual life. Our ancestors blazed a trail, but eventually that trail runs out, and now it is on us. We are the ones invited in this particular time, in this particular context, in this particular moment in the history of our faith. We are being invited to continue to blaze 
a new trail so that those who come behind us will have some room to walk, but also so that they will have an example to see that this is the, this is the natural thing. Movement is natural. Moving forward is natural. Pursuit, pursuit of truth, pursuit of spirit is natural. And the reality is we do not have a step-by-step guide, no, but we do have the gift of the spirit who accompanies us, who's our companion and our guide as we move forward. And this packing a suitcase for a place isn't about evacuation. It's not about leaving the world for heaven above. It's actually about committing to the world. It's about committing to what the world could be, committing to this vision um, for us as Christians, this vision that Jesus uh, throws out for us, this vision of a world of justice and peace and compassion and wholeness. It's a vision he called the kingdom of God. Um, This is the invitation. We are on a journey that continually calls us beyond certainty, beyond the known, beyond the myth that we have it all figured out, and into the transformation and possibility of a place that must be believed, it must be hoped for, it must be imagined before it can be seen. A a world where justice and peace aren't just things that people say, oh, well, that'll never be the case. A world where compassion isn't a weakness, but it is actually seen as a primary value for what it means to be human. And it has to begin in the heart and in the mind. It begins in our imagination. It begins in our dreams. It begins in our longings for what could be. So we dream it up, and I don't think we dream it up on our own. I, I, do, I think that this is where spirit comes in. Spirit inspires us. Spirit gives us dreams. And then we set out uncertain of where the path will lead, uncertain of where the challenges may be, uncertain if there might be dragons over there. We don't know. But what we do is we trust the Spirit who whispered this restlessness into our hearts. We trust her to guide us as we go. And if we hit that place, if we hit that moment where we finally think we have arrived and we start unpacking our suitcases and um, putting things away and putting our clothes in our drawer, like we, we start doing all that, then we'll know in that moment we haven't actually arrived. We've just parked in another place of certainty and we will need to pack up and move out all over again because this is an endless pilgrimage. And so just as this song, as Bono sings in this song, as he invites us, I wanna invite us today, walk on, walk on what you've got. They can't deny it, can't sell it or buy it. Walk on, walk on because we never arrive. We are always on the journey. It is an endless pilgrimage of the heart. So let's keep going. Amen.